This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show in which we look at the latest Arsenal transfer news, keep you guys up to date with what is going on, get your thoughts and feelings in the chat box as well and try to make sense of the chaos that delves into Arsenal's transfer news every single day at 8am UK time, so you know when to tune in. Make sure you're dropping a like and a subscription onto the channel if you are enjoying the content. I hope you tuned in with me yesterday. If you didn't, make sure you catch up. Looking at the May kind of update about what's everything that's happened in May and where that leaves us with what a team could look like next season and the possible outs that we may see. We'll be doing it at the end of every single month until the end of the transfer window to see how the transfer window progresses for Arsenal. Good morning, chat box. I hope you guys are all well. I can see plenty of you tuning in this morning, plenty of you tuning in at silly times. Uh, go to bed, you lot in the West. <laughs> this is way too early for you guys, but thank you. Really do appreciate uh, you tuning in for one of these shows. And, uh, and we'll be getting some of your thoughts throughout and, of course, towards the end with the brief Q&A that we always do as well. Without further ado, let's kick off with today's first story, which revolves around Matteo Genduzzi. Um, small update upon what was going on yesterday. Genduzzi's deal to Marseille is progressing uh, very well from the player and the club standpoints. They have agreed everything pretty much between the player and the club. It is now just down to Arsenal and Marseille. Uh, to work out the details about what they want, what they expect, and what they hope can happen. Um, and, and that is tricky because Marseille initially wanted a loan deal for Genduzi with just a year left on his deal. That made absolutely zero sense for Arsenal. They wouldn't have made any money from that. Um, and so they're actually looking at more of a permanent deal now. And that is hopefully, fingers crossed, something that Arsenal can work out and get some money for. Don't be expecting loads. Um, but it's certainly going to be an amount of money that's going to help Arsenal uh, in the coming weeks and the coming months to try and sign as many players as feasibly Os- possible. Possible. Um, let's move on to the next one. There's there's actually, weirdly, it's, there's not been loads since yesterday. There has been some interesting quotes that have come out, but we're going to get onto them in a second. But the other story is about William Saliba, uh, of course, our French defender. You may have seen a link with him moving to Marseille as well, or wanting out anyway, or wanting to move away and get more regular game time. Um, but William Saliba is is to the best of my knowledge going absolutely nowhere. He's going to be returning to the club very, very soon uh, and integrating into the first team. 
Of course, there are um, kind of international football going on. But once everyone is back, he will be fully integrated, be training with them and trying to prove himself to Mikel Arteta that he deserves to start next season. Alongside the other man in this picture, Gabriel at the back. That is a long-term thing that Arsenal have definitely thought about and looked at as a possible pairing, but it hasn't stopped Arsenal being linked with a number of centre-backs either. We've seen Jules Kunda, we've seen Edmund Tapsoba, both of them linked with the move to Arsenal, so the club are clearly interested in bringing in a central defender. It just depends on who that is and why they might do it and what effects that will obviously have on a player like William Saliba as well. We have found out that Callum Chambers has not only just a single year uh, on his current contract, but the club actually have a option to make that deal uh, an additional year, so two years onto that as well. So effectively, Callum Chambers' deal would run out in 2023. So we don't have to worry too much uh, about that one, if at all. Uh, we will expect more updates as it is Monday. Mute news does tend to come out a little bit later on the Monday, so we'll make sure we cover all of that in Tuesday's show. But regarding possible transfers in Ives or Yves Basuma, uh, the Malian midfielder from Brighton, I don't know if you saw this, uh, uploaded an image to Twitter yesterday, which obviously caused quite a bit of a stir. Um, which it's it's one of those cryptic messages uh, that you see some players post. He says, mum told me to watch out. They will love you a lot less when you go up, my son. You will see time break some friendships, um, which is effectively him saying um, that obviously looking like he's going to be moving on, uh, looking like he's going to be going to a, a higher club, which is uh, saying when you go up, um, is risky considering that he hasn't left yet and Brighton, of course, will not take too kindly to if this is in, in the case of this uh, linked in any way um, and that he feels that he will have to, well, burn some bridges, I suppose, in, in trying to get that move. Arsenal are interested. He's not the top of their list. He is very good friends with Nicola Pepe and, of course, knows Gabriel from his time at Lille as well. Um, so he would assimilate pretty quickly into the Arsenal squads uh, with, without much problem, but it's just who Arsenal want to go for and whether or not uh, Yves Basuma is that guy. Now, the final thing we're going to do before we do a bit of an extended Q&A session today, because as we said, the news is a little bit quieter this morning, um, is go and look at what Legrove said in his last blog, which is, I mean, if you do read uh, Arsenal blogs out there, some are more in tune with, with what's going on, some aren't. Uh, and Legrove has shown to be kind of hit and miss, <laughs> it's probably fair to say. Um, but in the blog, it's an interesting uh, quote that when I was reading through the whole thing, which is a good read if you, if you do want to go and check it out. And he says, as I mentioned the other day, there's cash being injected into the system this summer. We don't have to buy, uh, we don't have to sell to buy, and hopefully we can sell and top up the pot. Uh, we could have a very big summer this year. The easiest way to jump a level is to invest in the better players. We have the chance to do that this summer. So it is certainly uh, it's an interesting quote from someone who has heard things in the past and this is kind of something that we talked about the other day when we heard from, uh, I think it was Football London, uh, Chris Wheatley, that reported that Arsenal would be looking to sell before they could buy. And I pointed out that I didn't think this was anything to do with uh, kind of a kind of a, a financial thing, as in that Arsenal desperately needed to bring in funds before we can invest. I never thought that was the case. The reason why I thought we had to sell to buy was because we have such a huge squad right now 
with 70 non-homegrown players, plenty of them we need to move on, the likes of Lucas Torreira, Genduzzi, Granite Xhaka possibly going as well. Uh, we've got other players in the squad that aren't necessarily non-homegrown that are going to move on. We look at the likes of Eddie and Ketia, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. These guys could move on, Mavropanos, um, Reese Nelson. We've got plenty of players that we're going to be looking to move on in the summer, and we do need to f- leave those spaces open so we can bring players in. But the point is that we don't need to sell and to get money so that we can buy, but we do need to move players on so that we've got space for them to enter the squad. Um, so that is certainly uh, part of the the reason why. And this quote definitely supports that idea. So it was something that I wanted to raise with you. But as I said, it is a blog post. So do make sure you take it with a very large grain of salt, as always, as I would recommend with pretty much everything that we look at these days. Oh, Jesus, the green screen is going a bit weird this morning. Anyway, let's go into our extended Q&A this morning and get uh, you guys asking the questions, and hopefully we can provide you with some answers as to what's going on. Jason Martin says, question, who is top of Arsenal's wish list? Well, the one that looks like the most likely and the most important for the club to get moving with at the moment is uh, Emi Buendia of Norwich City. The talks have taken place. The player is very open to a move to Arsenal. It's just about the fee, how we kind of structure that deal. Is it going to be over a number of years? The wage packet that goes with the player, they haven't actually done that. It's not like the Genduzi situation. That deal has pretty much been agreed for the player and the club. It's now just between Arsenal and Marseille. But for Buendia, a lot more work needs to be done from right now. There's no official bid that's gone in. There's no official contract talks or agreement with the player and and the club, even though he is open to move to Arsenal. But he seems to be the top of Arsenal's list, along with Martin Udegaard, the Real Madrid midfielder, who, of course, was on loan from them to us last summer. Arteta really likes him, wants to bring him back if possible. But we don't know what's going on with the Real Madrid manager situation. And so that makes that deal slightly more complicated because until they know what's going on, until they know what is happening, they won't know uh, whether or not it's a deal that they can get done themselves. I'm getting notifications pop on my phone. So if anything does come up during the show, we will talk about that. But let's try and get some more of your questions. Uh, Adam Benabez says, I don't know. I don't see how the centre-back we are being linked with fixing the lack of experience of our backline. And they are not even Premier League proven. Of course, the word Premier League proven is often something which is kind of thrown around as a real important aspect of a signing and whilst I do think that it is important that Arsenal start adding more Premier League proven and players that are from England it doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with quality and certainly Tapsober and Jules Kunda are two players of absolute quality that would really add to this team and players that have been signed by some of the biggest clubs in Europe have transformed them coming from outside you look at Gundogan going to Manchester City, even Kevin De Bruyne coming from Wolfsburg. You look at Manchester United going out and signing some players that are going to really add to that. I mean, you look at the impact of Edinson Cavani, never played in the Premier League before. You look at Liverpool adding Alisson as a goalkeeper coming in, never having played before Fabinho. It is still important that you add Premier League quality and you find that balance for me to close the gap, but it is not any reason to write off a player just because they haven't been in the Premier League. And Tapsoba and Jules Kunda are two very, very highly regarded and highly rated, for good reason, centre-backs on Arsenal's radar right now. Uh, I would put a lot more 
emphasis on tap sober than Jules Kunde, who I think is coveted by a lot more of the the higher profile clubs like Real Madrid, etc. That will probably end up moving for him. Uh, Clayton says, "Did you see the links with Ajax's right back Amaz Rawi? I've seen them. The reason why I didn't include them is because I haven't seen it from a source that I'm looking at as necessarily like yes." I'm going to put that in the video because I think there's credibility to it. Until I see a real sort of, especially of a specific player, we can talk about quotes and, and thoughts and feelings, but specific players, we like to try and get more reliable sources. And, and I haven't heard anything specifically as of yet. Arsenal's main target is Max Ehrens right now. Uh, and they have got a list of which Masraoui, I imagine, based upon some of the whispers, is, is probably on as well. He is a very decent centre-back, defensively a lot better than what we've already seen um, from Hector Bellerin, for instance, but he's still not lacking in his offensive uh, capacity of his game. If the links do progress, then we'll make sure to get a tactical breakdown out on him as soon as feasibly possible. Check Perk says, do you think Arsenal will learn from what the Reds just did to seal a Canate and get moves done early, unlike in the past? I think this is massively important. The difference with the Canate deal is this has been going on for a very long time. Uh, Liverpool have been in discussions with Canate for several months now. And because he had a buyout clause, it was a very, very easy deal to just get done and to move for and get over the line right at the start of the window. For Arsenal, unless they have been working on deals prior and have been discussing with many players, which some players refuse to do until the season is over just because they want to focus on their current season, like Buendia, for instance, and Max Ehrens, then you're not going to see it happen as quickly. But of course, I want to see Arsenal get the deals done quicker but sometimes it is a lot more difficult to do than just saying, look look at Liverpool going and getting Canate. Why can't we do that? Well, there are many reasons as to why. Uh, Matt G says, it's reports to be believed Arteta has until Christmas to save his job. Do you think players like Saliba and Balogun will get much game time or will Arteta want to rely on the experienced players? Is a very good question, Matt, because of course what we saw at the start of last season was the likes of Willian getting a lot more minutes when necessarily he hadn't earned them and wasn't earning them and he kept on getting picked. Same with Hector Bellerin, was really struggling even Granit Xhaka was struggling at the start of the season and was not getting moved out of the team because Arteta was really focusing on using as many experienced players to try and dig him out of a hole with a quick fix it wasn't until we started seeing Emil Smith-Rowe put into the team based upon his own choice and seeing Saka given more of a, an influential role in the side and and players like that that we started to change things around. And I hope that they get chances. I hope Saliba gets... I expect Saliba to get a lot more than Balogun immediately, especially depending upon what happens with Aubameyang and Lacazette. But they are two players that I hope get minutes next season. So fingers crossed. Let's scroll down a little bit more and get you guys asking some more questions in the chat box. Tomas says, I've seen links about Celik from Lille. He's someone I've written about before and very much like. Um, the thing is, there's so much rubbish on Twitter. It's impossible to tell what's real. Keep up the good work. There are some very, very um, questionable um, people out there. It's, um, some people asked for a show before about how you identify the difference between who's an ITK and who's faking it. To give you kind of some brief things to look for, if you see kind of someone trying to um, ITK it, first of all, is a good way to look at how many followers they've got. I know that's not always the best because there are some accounts that have got a lot of followers that like to tweet uh, in ITK circles, and that's because they're very clever in the way they've built the following. Um, but... The so for instance, there's a couple of accounts I've seen with like two to four thousand followers tweeting some things out. Now, usually what you'll see is, is they'll tweet something out that could be 
truthful. Um, for instance, like Bellerin to Inter Milan. Now, I've seen a couple of accounts tweet that Inter Milan are interested in Bellerin or they've made inquiries about Bellerin. So far, that hasn't happened. So that that isn't something that's gone on. I'm not saying that it won't happen later on in the window, but right now that's not something has happened. But for an ITK standpoint, that is certainly a story that could be true because it looks like Ashraf Hakimi is moving on to PSG, it seems like, and that Inter Milan are going to be looking to replace him with an option that could be cheaper, which Bellerin, of course, would be, and Bellerin wants to leave. And, and because of all of those factors, a deal makes sense. And an ITK is clever. They know how to build a following by making uh, kind of stories which could have a high possibility of materialising into a link. Also, what sometimes happens is that they own multiple accounts, and if you can get multiple accounts tweeting the same thing, then sometimes the media can pick up on multiple accounts talking about this and think, okay, we need to be kind of the first in the mainstream media to get a story out on this and pick that up. So it's about looking at a news story and going, how realistic is this? Does it make sense? Because normally it does. And is there any credible sources saying anything about it at the moment? There are some sources that you look at and you go, like the AFC Bell, for instance, that's committed to something, that has clear research, that has shown evidence, that has shown a track record of getting things right. Then you've got to say, yeah, fair enough. But there are others that it becomes very, very clear that they're not true and they are just trying to build a following. I mean, I know people that do it for a living, that build up social media accounts and sell them on. It's just part of it's a job people do it um so you need to be very very careful of that like my namesake on twitter you may have seen another account uh, with a very similar name to this uh, that is one of those um chet perk says twitter would do my head in <laughs> yes it certainly would uh, manu says a word on the less fancy players out on loan like ballard mcginnis smith and medley i did want to do a show basically focused on our loan players and a lot more Daniel Ballard, of course, won promotion with Blackpool to the championship yesterday. Really good performance. I don't know if you guys tuned in from it, but defensively, he did really, really well. Um, was really solid. They conceded an own goal really early on. But after that, he was absolutely excellent um, in defending and keeping Lincoln at bay and clearing the ball when needed. McGuinness has been very good at Ipswich. Um, Smith has obviously had a couple of loan deals. He was on loan at Swindon. And then he's gone, I can't, was it? I can't remember who they went to second, but he was at Swindon previously and he's gone so right. Zach Medley, not so much. He went to Gillingham and then has gone up to Scotland with Kilmarnock, I think, and has not done great. He was someone that was certainly highly rated previously, but yeah, Zach Medley is is not someone I think is going to have a future. Arsenal will probably end up being a League One championship quality player. Maybe he'll get lucky and get a promotion, but I don't see him being any more than that right now. And to be fair, I really want him to succeed because he, he's a local lad to my area and I was hoping that he would go somewhere but it doesn't it doesn't look like it's going to be with Arsenal but we wish him the best that's for sure um let's see some new uh comments Christopher Smith says uh, how uh, big a sell-on clause can we expect in a Genduzi sale Chris honestly not much is the answer because Arsenal are obviously going to be wanting to move him on this summer and the fee is going to be very small and he's going to want one year left on his contracts. The bigger sell-on clause that you put into that contract, the lesser fee that you're able to get and Arsenal are certainly going to prioritise the fee over the sell-on clause. There might be a sell-on clause, but I don't expect it to be very much whatsoever. Um, 
Drew says, best way to identify a decay is to see accounts tweeting things like, I've I've been told, and I'm hearing that, which is, to be fair, something <clears throat> something that big and, and proper accounts do do. But yeah, that is the language of, of the lay of the land. Um, Venkatesh says, any reason why Erdogan is higher in Arsenal's priority and not Buendia? A lot because he's already he's already been at the club and he's done very well and he's integrated very well. He's very much liked. Um, and a lot of people are putting kind of a lot of stock in the raw statistics, like how many goals and assists he's got. But as we've talked about on the show before, he only had the six months after an injury hit first half of the season to impress. And he did that. And vocality wise and leadership wise, he had those qualities. He's one of those players that you feel is a bit of a coiled spring and could explode next season if he's given more time and opportunities. He wasn't able to really get on, hit the ground running and, and get into the team and play regularly at Arsenal. And I think there's a lot of kind of uh, potential looked at in him. Now, a lot of people would go, no, don't want him because the new toy syndrome kicks in and people want to get Buendia or people want to go and get someone else because we've already seen Erdogan. But the fact of the matter is that you need to be a little bit more humble about these situations and realise the situation that Erdogan was fighting during this. Uh, JD says, can you do a tactical breakdown on Locatelli? Uh, again, I can't do a tactical breakdown on a player that we're not linked to. So until we get linked to the player, um, we won't be doing a, a tactical breakdown. Fingers crossed we do because he's an excellent player. But uh, 100% when we get linked to the player, then uh, we will do a tactical breakdown on them. Uh, Indanil says, uh, AFC fans have criticised the influence of super agents at Arsenal since the last three years. But Wenger has also been criticised for signing Xhaka over Kante due to agents' fees. What am I missing here? Um, it's Okay, so the difference between these two is is actually quite simple. The Kante situation and the agents fee situation, if you do the reading into it, Arsene Wenger just wasn't willing to pay, do a deal that had that kind of part to it. Now, that doesn't mean then that you can turn around later on and say, oh, well, we should have signed Kante, but you can't turn around and say that, oh, we shouldn't be working with agents. Agents are part of the game. Agents are always going to be involved in the game. It is 99% of players have one. The only few that don't are the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and, and Memphis Depay. But most players do and have the representation. The problem that we have now is that we've allowed agents under Raul Sanyehi to basically manipulate and guide a lot of our business, hence why we signed players like Cedric and David Luiz and Willian and Kia Jarabchin being very much involved in the club. So there's a difference between not signing a player because of agents' fees and not allowing an agent to influence the transfer trajectory of your club. That's the difference between the two, Indanil. Uh, Jason says, uh, Tom, uh, who would you have as your Arsenal vice captain if Bellerin leaves the club? Vice captain? Oh, Tini should be captain, of course. Um, but I suppose if Aubameyang is going to be the captain until he goes, you then give that vice captaincy to Tierney. Um, it just it makes a lot more sense. But I'd rather see the captaincy switched altogether to Tierney, to be honest, and then see someone else uh, given the vice captaincy in the team. I think there's players that have got a lot of leadership qualities, even ones that are further forward on the pitch. Like Smith Rowe, I think, is going to be a really good leader in the final third. I think he will be vocal, as will Bukayo Saka as well. You then look at the midfield, Thomas Partey, Gabriel at the back, uh, and you hope maybe some of the players that we bring in this summer will also add that real key and notable leadership to the side that we desperately need. Uh, Kai says, how concerning is it that a lot of our players' transfer fees uh, on the low side, Genduzi, 12 to 15 million pounds. Xhaka, 15 million pounds. Does this mean that KSC are ready to invest? Um, it's not, 
it's, it's not correlated to how much we're going to be investing. It's just a situation that, that we find ourselves in. Arsenal have notoriously sold very, very poorly over the years. And so because of that, clubs know that they can probably get a good deal from Arsenal. It is then down to Arsenal to demand more and to not cave and to not allow teams to manipulate how much they want to get their players for. So when you see someone like uh, Amateo Genduzzi, when you see someone like Granit Xhaka going for a low fee, the club need to do what they can to boost that figure up. If you want them, you need to pay the price that we're asking for. So it's it's more down to that than anything to do with them being, oh, you know, you can go because we're going to get a load of money from the owners. I don't think one is an indicator for the other. At Bush, it was um, to prove that we're going to be seeing investment, but I don't think um, that it's it's going to be in that sense. Manu says, any links with Jorginho? Not this summer. They seem to have gone very cold um, after, uh, after the end of last summer. And so, therefore, um, it's... <laughs> I don't think it's something that we're going to be looking at, basically. At the end of the last window, we didn't know what was going to be happening with Partey, with Awa, and then Jorginho came up as a possible another option, which a lot of Arsenal fans turned their noses up at, to be honest. Um, and so I think that when you look at what the style of Arsenal midfielder they wanted, they wanted more of a deeper player that can play the passes from that area, which Partey is, but definitely more defensive than, than what Jorginho is. Um, I, I, I just don't think they're going to move for someone of that ilk now they've got Partey in. But Jorginho, I think, would have been a very decent signing, but someone that I know a lot of Arsenal fans would have been arrogant to turn their noses up, I think. Uh, Drew says, would it, be, would it become an ego clash if the armband is swapped to a less experienced and young player like Tierney from someone like Aubameyang, who is a national team captain as well? Yeah, 100%. I'm sure that there would be social problems that were associated with the changing of a captain from someone like a Bamiang. I'm sure he wouldn't be too keen on it, let's say that. Um, does that mean that you shouldn't do it? No, of course not. He's a grown man. Grow up, deal with it, move on, focus on your own game. You don't have to worry about being captain. Uh, allow someone else who's going to do a better job to do it and just do your bit for the team. But you don't know how the player's going to react at the moment. Antonio Bank uh, says, Matt Smith was in Project Restart last year, many times in the match they scored under Arteta. Do you think Arteta rates him and could be uh, could he have a future at Arsenal? I like him. He's a cultural midfielder. Um, honestly, I don't really know because we, d- we don't know. We've never seen him play in the first time. We've only seen him go on loan. And until you see players come back from their loan deals and get some opportunities, it's hard to to make out what their future is at the club unless their loan deals like Zach Medley haven't gone particularly inspiringly, let's say. So I, I don't know the future of Matt Smith right now. Um, we have to wait until pre-season. Let's see if he gets in any of the preseason squads and plays with the first team. That's a good indicator of where they see them. Have they got a chance? They're not going to waste time developing players that they haven't got any interest in, in seeing go for anything. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh DJ says, why aren't we focusing on getting a proven midfielder in the Premier League like Ward Prowse? What's the hype about Buendia? Wasn't he in the Prem and flopped already? Didn't Arsenal pipe them uh, 11-1 on aggregate? I mean, first of all, Buendia has no no bearing on on a previous scoreline. There are, I've seen people influenced by some very poor opinions that have been published on Buendia so far. Hence why we like to go in and get the expert insight and look at the statistics and give you guys the most in-depth look at these players so that you can make an educated decision. Um, But no, because what... I mean, if you're looking at a player and what they did two years ago in the league and you're making that as an assumption as to how you feel about a player now, it's it's not not credible. 
it's not something you can use legitimately. It's just, it would just not make much sense. If you look at players in the league now about how they've performed and whether you would take them compared to two years ago, there's lots of examples where if you use their performances from two years ago, it might not be worth looking at. It might not be worth doing. But very much in those two years, things have changed a hell of a lot. And so therefore, you, it's pointless using an opinion from two years ago to make a judgment on a player now. Fact of the matter is that Buendia has stepped up. He's made a very, very different move in his, his trajectory in his career. You go and watch our tactical breakdown on him and you hear from the horse's mouth itself, from the Norwich City supporters that have watched him all season, that will give you some insights into him and how he's stepped up and developed and changed this year in comparison to previous years. And then you'll be able to make a better, uh, a, a much better evaluation of the player. Uh, good to have in the chat, Chet Perk, Hanav, good to have you here too, Mitchell, uh, you're also in the chat as well, um, <laughs> Mitchell says you should make some Prem Proven merch, I hate these phrases so much, yes, merch is not something that I've ever, ever planned on doing, <laughs> to be honest, it's a lot of effort to, to do that, and you know, if you want to buy, if you want to buy Arsenal stuff, go and Buy something on Arsenal, starting up Cannon on. Uh, Manu says, what is your opinion on getting in a Xhaka 2.0? Jorginho, Koopminers, Berger, etc. I know you've done a lot on tactical breakdowns, but I think they are very similar. Do we want that? Um, I mean, Berger and Xhaka are very different, as is Jorginho and Koopminers. So all those four players you've named, there, there are similarities in their games. And there's characteristics that they've got that similar, but their overall player profiles are different. Um, the, the Xhaka 2.0, for me, has to be someone that gets the best from Partey. And that's why I like Basuma so much, because I think he enables you to play him as a six with Partey playing as the eight ahead of him and giving that freedom. Xhaka needs a mobile player around him so that you can then... Uh, cover the positions that he needs to cover that when he's tracking back, etc. It's why I'm not that keen on Ruben Neves, for instance, because he is the type that, like Jacob, takes the ball, plays it on. He doesn't dribble with the ball. He's not as mobile. He's nowhere near as mobile as, say, someone like Basuma. He's not someone in that ilk. Whereas if you put Basuma alongside Partey or behind Partey, you give Partey that security and the knowledge that Basuma's got this. He's got it covered. He's got all that area of the pitch sorted so you can go and play your game and do what you can do best that's the profile of player that i want to see jacca has got better under arteta and with Partey because Partey's allowed jacca to be better but i want a player that's already good and that allows Partey to be the world-class player that he can be uh venkatesh says do you think we could ever uh ever even uh be win the champions league i think you mean fans don't feel confident on the owner's vision can we consider at top 10 teams in Europe? We're not in the top 10s in Europe right now. I mean, I'm trying to think of top 15 if we're in that right now on, on pure current, not in historical value, but in, in current situation of how good Arsenal are, there are a lot of teams better than us. I mean, Villarreal right now are better than us. They knocked us out. They won the Europa League. So they finished seventh in La Liga. So where do you think Arsenal are rating right now it's it's not high so do i understand the apprehension and the lack of optimism towards arsenal being able to win the champions league a hundred percent and that has been down to years and years and years of mismanagement poor decision making poor recruitment that has to change has to change um so let's see what else they'll go for a couple more comments and then we're going to wrap up uh arun says we are top three in england not team but club yeah but i'll say we're not talking about that historically sure we're up there 
And I think you'd look at Manchester United, you look at Liverpool. And I'll tell you what, Chelsea are getting closer. If not, and I know a lot of people already think this, but think Chelsea of now with two Champions Leagues in the 10 years, the two top table competitions, there's a very strong argument to say that they are moving ahead of Arsenal. Historically, no matter the number of trophies, winning two of the biggest European trophies in the game within those years. And not only that, but winning two Europa Leagues as well. It's, I'm sorry, but you have to think just level-headedly about these things. You can't put your, you need to put your bias aside sometimes and think logically. It's Arsenal are in danger, if not have already fallen out of that top three in England because of that situation. And that's because of the money they've invested. You can be annoyed at it, you can get frustrated at it, you can get really annoyed and thinking, oh, they've bought it all. Yeah, sure, they've bought it all. But they still did it. They've still gone out and done it. There's been plenty of teams across the world that have tried to invest a lot of money to make them very successful, and it's not worked. PSG still haven't won the Champions League. Manchester City still haven't won the Champions League. And those two teams have invested a lot of money and time and coaches into those teams. And yet Chelsea have done it the right way, and it's frustrating. It kills me because I can't stand them. But it's it's the way that Arsenal needs to learn from these situations and how we need to change and move forward from them that will will put us apart and set us apart from the others. Uh, Vignesh says, Tom, uh, what's your opinion uh, on journalists saying Arsenal are going to spend big this summer? I, obviously, from what we've heard, Vignesh, from from Arteta, from um, from Josh. Of course people would say that. I would say that. I have said that. I, f- I feel like I'm not necessarily that worried about this transfer window. I feel like Arsenal will get some very good business done. But <laughs> it's not it's not like people jumping on a bandwagon. It's just the situation that we are in that Arsenal need to invest and we're told that they're going to invest. It just needs to happen more than just this window, but in all of the subsequent windows moving forwards. We need to see continual investment improvement of the squad, ruthlessness with the team and with the manager if we need to change the coach, which arguably, probably should have happened after we got knocked out of the Europa League. That's not happened. And so we need to push forward with the current coach until the next time that it's clear that a decision needs to be made. So it's just about decision making at the end of the day. Uh, but as Ed Rosa says, still ste- still sceptical. And I would say, people, be sceptical because there's no evidence to suggest that Arsenal are going to do anything different. It's all words, as we've said several, several times. It's all words right now. Anyway, let's finish off today's show there. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed the coverage we've done over the last four weeks. This is episode 28, which means we've managed four weeks worth of shows in a row without a day off so far. And we will continue to carry on with these going into the rest of the window and into, of course, the transfer window when it does finally open, which I believe is very, very soon. I think they brought the actual opening of it forwards to what they usually open it like July 1st, but I think it's moving forwards to sometime in June, if not tomorrow. We'll have to wait and see and check on that one. Um, but other than that, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys, to meet you as always. Please do make sure that you drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Um, and we'll be back with some content. I've got a podcast out tomorrow on Let's Talk Arsenal at 7pm, but I'll give you some more information about that in tomorrow's 8am show. I'll see you probably this evening, this afternoon, late time, and uh, we'll have another chat about some other stuff. But it's been a pleasure as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.